It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Good evening and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. And today is Sunday, August the 27th, 2023, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live. And we hope that you're staying cool wherever you are, and we have another great program for you today to help keep you cool. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, one of our favorite spots, by empowerment coach and certified holistic health coach, Marcelo Castellanos. And Marcelo, we attempted this about two weeks ago, and Marcelo has been gracious enough to come back so that we have a clear program for you this evening. And I'm very excited because it's a very interesting discussion that we're going to have about how energy healing can help people to release stored stuck energy from old wounds and trauma and live with a renewed sense of freedom and confidence. And I will continue with my tips from out in the field for caregiving and advocating for our loved ones in long-term care while we continue to live with passion. After the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the program will be posted later tonight, along with all the website links that we to program. And you can hear the podcast as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blog talk radio blog talk radio.com slash your golden years and you can also hear it on apple Podcasts. for information from previous programs and to listen to all of our programs going back nine and a half years right here on blog talk radio you can find all of that on my website drmaricarpel.com on blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears and on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, for upcoming shows and events. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more, whether it's in person or virtual. Anything can be found to fill your days reconnecting with others. So be more active and start connecting again. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, so we're going to take a very brief break um, to play our other sponsors' commercials, and um, but we'll be back right after the break with Marcella Castellanos to talk about energy healing. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell. We'll be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed services or supplies you never received. There are three easy things you can do to prevent fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and look for any suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or call your local Medicare SHIP program at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we're back. If you're joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. And now joining us from beautiful Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, is empowerment coach and certified holistic health coach, Marcella Castellanos. Welcome back, Marcella. Hello. So happy to be here again. Thanks for having me, Dr. Mara. Yes. And thank you so much for coming back to do this show, this interview again. It was so interesting last time, but because of a glitch, a lot of people didn't get to hear it. So I'm excited to maybe um, not just redo what we did, but maybe go a little bit deeper, if that's okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. So so why don't we start with um, your history and what led you to become a holistic health coach and an empowerment coach. Um, last time you told us quite a story, and I really would like for everybody to hear it. Okay, yeah, here we go, being vulnerable again. <laughs> Okay, well, interestingly, um, over the trauma of a breakup 13 years ago, and um, this started, this was actually what became my first spiritual awakening, but I didn't realize it back then, and it's what catapulted me into holistic health. What happened was that I had uprooted my life from California to move to Hawaii. Uh, You know, I was about to start an idyllic life, uh, marrying, you know, the love of my life. And so I, I left behind my friends, my family, and everything that I knew um, to start this life. And four months into it, my world turned upside down as my relationship fell apart, but it was also 2008, which was the beginning of the economic downturn. So basically everything, <laughs> everything on the mm-hmm. external was Right. And so, um, so, you know, I remember thinking, well, you know, it's okay. You know, all of these things are just falling apart, but I still have my family. I still have my friends. And I was starting, I was trying to be in a state of gratitude as much as possible. Um, when, when interestingly, I was on Waikiki beach, a very public beach, very similar to the Manicón, the boardwalk in Puerto Vallarta. And I was on the phone with my sister, and I was telling her, you know, gosh, everything is falling apart, but, you know, at least I have you, you know, at least I have my health, and I'm, like, recounting some of the things, some of the blessings that I had. 
when suddenly I felt a gallbladder attack coming on, which is um, something I was familiar with because I had already suffered a couple of them in the past. But um, this one, like, literally had me doubled over in pain. Um, I couldn't speak, and I was, you know, on a public beach. And, you know, I tried my best to ask for help non-verbally, but people just seemed to walk by. And to this day, I'm not really sure why. You know, I don't know if they thought I was on drugs and there was nothing they could do. I'm not really sure what happened, what was going on there. But it was a very public, busy beach. And so when I thought to myself, you know, after a certain amount of time, I mean, it wasn't a lot of time because I was in excruciating pain, um, I realized, wow, I'm going to have to suffer this one on my own. So because I was so exposed, I wanted to get to a place where I felt I had some dignity in my suffering. And so I knew the grassy area behind me. So in that moment, I decided I'm just going to drag myself to that grassy area and, you know, mm-hmm. deal with this on my, on my own. So I spiritually and metaphorically in that moment became a four-legged animal, like a four-legged injured animal, as mm-hmm. I started to myself to the grassy area. And so here I am, you know, in this grassy area, doubled over, thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I could actually die from this. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm having this realization, and all of a sudden I uh, became one with the pain. You know, I, like, I was doubled over, had my eyes closed. I became one with the pain, and I started to get so many epiphanies in that moment, like, this too shall pass. You're more than just your physical body. Um, I became completely interconnected with the air, the trees that were around me, the ground that I was on, Um, you know, and I just sort of resigned to it all, and I was in a state of great peace. And then all of a sudden, I felt someone grab my wrist to the right, and I opened my eyes, and I turned my head, and I saw this middle-aged, beautiful woman with blue eyes looking at me, saying, my husband and I saw that you're in distress, mm-hmm. and we're trying to help you. Oh, my gosh, here I go again. Every- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you got you got me choked up again, too. <laughs> yeah, and um, I must have told that story a hundred times. It's always the same, because the compassion that she showed in that moment meant mm-hmm. everything to me catapulted my healing in that moment and onward. And so, you know, um, you know, I went on to get better um, in that situation. You know, I, I was rushed off to the hospital, and I got better in that situation, but <clears throat> I uh, still had that problem. And so I ended up doing a uh, cleanse. But actually, let me go back a bit. When she – it was interesting that the compassion was so healing for me at that time because – it was now it's a full circle moment. It's part of what I do in, with my clients today is help with compassion and self-directed compassion, which we'll talk about later. But um, and so it's just it's interesting when I look back and think, wow, you know that here I am <laughs> delivering compassion. So anyway, mm-hmm. 
when I uh, went on to do a cleanse for my liver and my gallbladder, because I clearly had an inflamed gallbladder, um, I did, did this cleanse that involved including a lot of natural ingredients over a five-day period. And to not get too detailed into that, on the last day, I just started sobbing out of nowhere, and I had no idea why I would be sobbing, because after all, I'm doing a liver and a gallbladder cleanse. You know, what what do tears and and sadness and whatever I was going through have to do with that? You know, why such an emotional response? And I later uh, came to find out that the gallbladder is very tied to grief and frustration and anger, Mm. sadness, you know, and so many emotions that I clearly hadn't completely processed from the trauma of my time in Hawaii. And so there it was, repressed and coming out, you know, through that cleanse that I did. So that is what really was a big wake-up call on so many levels and what catapulted me into holistic health because it was then that I realized that there was so much available to me in nature to help my body heal physically, but taking the sacred time was also helping me to heal my emotions and whatever was still left there of the time that I experienced so much grief. Can I have a question. Um, I have a couple of questions about this story. One is um, it sounds like you really were able to heal yourself physically um, and all the emotions of course, all the emotions that are tied to it after this event. And you specifically said it's because of this woman and her husband. How do you think that her compassion coming out of nowhere, you know, while everybody else was kind of just like ignoring you while you were doubled over in pain, and she came out of nowhere and and let you know, I'm here, I see you, we're going to, we care, we're going to get help for you. How do you think that affected you in terms of your physical healing and then going on to do this emotional work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I didn't realize it then. I mean, it's been several years of really understanding what happened and why that was so impactful. And I think if I had to sum it up, it's that she made me feel like my existence mattered. Mm-hmm. She, she saw me. She, um, she came to help. And, and, and just the sheer action of coming and acknowledging that I was in pain, it was that acknowledgement you know, um, and the compassion, which I think it just it just meant so much in in ways that you can't even fully express in words. It just yeah. makes you feel like you matter. Do you think that that also um, made you more compassionate toward yourself? Absolutely. Not only did it make me compassionate towards myself, it made me compassionate towards animals, other living beings. I mean, just mm-hmm. in general, completely, completely um, opened my heart to everything else that exists. Right, right. Okay. I, I, and I, I think, you know, what, I, what I'm 
the way that I'm, you know, viewing this is that maybe she kind of gave you permission to heal yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, and some people say, oh, my gosh, she was an angel. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe that an angel that incarnated in, into human form. You know, who knows? If you're into spirituality, that that's a possibility. Um, you know, who knows? But absolutely, her presence and her open heart had a tremendous healing effect that created a ripple effect in my own life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, what is energy healing? Um, you know, it sounds like you did a lot of that for yourself, and now you're doing that for other people. So what is that? Yeah, so energy healing is based on the notion that we're more than just our physical bodies. Like, we have our physical body, that which we can see, we can feel, we can touch physically, right? Our skin, our bones, our muscles, our tendons. Etc. And so we have our human body, but we also have an energetic field. Or, you know, in some cultures, they recognize our energetic field as energy centers, chakras or meridians. Um, you know, in, in Asia, this is very popular. And you can even call it, you know, your life force. You know, what what helps you show up in a certain way in life. And it's really what keeps the body's cells healthy, functioning, and alive. Um, It's really, energy healing is really, it's comprised of different holistic practices. So healing practitioners can use various modalities to help balance, heal, and remove blockages in the body. And this can be anything from Reiki, light therapy, acupuncture, tapping, and I use modalities um, that have to do with one is a movement therapy modality called chakra dance, and another one is emotional restorative healing, which is also known as compassion key. And that was developed by Edward Manick. And for that, I use guided visualization, self-directed compassion, and acknowledgement to heal past wounds and traumas. Okay. So, and, yeah. and in what you know, it sounds like you use it to help people unstick energy. How does energy get stuck? How does energy get stuck? That's a great question. <laughs> um, a person can get stuck energy when they experience a moment in their life of great emotional or mental distress, which is what I described in my situation. And they're not, for some reason or another, able to process those emotions and the energy surrounding that event properly. So many times in stressful situations, we're forced to choose, right, between fighting or fighting or or, um, or fleeing a response, um, which is something that our ancestors used to do when confronted with a predator like a tiger, right? But um, we can also do a response that's called freezing, meaning sometimes we can't fight a situation and we can't flee it, so we freeze. And in Mm -hmm. this freeze, this often occurs in, for example, childhood abuse and neglect situations where you're a young, vulnerable, weaker person physically and you're around, you know, adults who are stronger than you, 
Um, and not only are they stronger than you, but you depend on them for survival. And so you can't fight them and you can't flee the situation. So your nervous system responds by just freezing. And in so doing, you are either repressing or suppressing emotions to adapt to your environment. And, and so this chronic trauma can keep going, right, and you're enduring it. And these energies and emotions that you have surrounding it are still in your energy field. In your, and they can sometimes even manifest as physical symptoms that are detrimental. Um, do you think that it's possible that your physical symptoms were related to trapped energy? Absolutely, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if I mentioned it when I was describing it earlier, but not only did I dispel, or um, not, not dispel, expel uh, stones from my body physically, like I literally saw them, you know, being released from my body, but I also had that emotional response. So it was really mm-hmm. interesting, both a physical release and an emotional release. Sorry if that's TMI right. for some of your <laughs> for some of your listeners. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like you had gallstones. We all understand what that is, so <laughs> we could handle it. <laughs> um, okay. I'm sorry. Did so, you, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I heard that part. Can you repeat that, uh, Doctor? I said it sounds like you had gallstones, and I think we all can understand what that is. Maybe some of our listeners have had them themselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, in fact, many people have had um, a gallstone emergency of one form or another, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very painful. Yeah. Yes. Um, so in your practice, um, as an empowerment coach and as a holistic health coach, how do you use energy healing? What do you do? You mentioned different types of energy healing, but what do you do? Yeah, I do chakra dance, which is a movement modality, but lately I'm using what's called emotional restorative healing, also known as compassion key. And so that is helping individuals really tap into the energy of their childhood, sometimes even before that, um, to see what's there and send compassion there and acknowledgement to help free that energy Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for listeners about how they can – keep from getting stuck or how they can start to unstick, um, you know, even before they go for some help from someone like you? Tips for getting unstuck? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I like to say is to first breathe in deeply and slow so that you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system and you're in a relaxed state. And then scan your body, like just close your eyes and visualize that you're scanning your body to see what, where there might be an ache, a pain, you know, some kind of something, energy that may be off in your, in your energy system, in your body. And once you identify that, you know, like, like let's say it's a headache, then, um, then really tune into the energy of that headache and ask yourself, what is that headache trying to tell me? 
So that's one thing. And this, this requires a little bit of meditation, you know, being in a quiet space and just um, being with yourself. It's really important to just give yourself that sacred time and see and, and see what's going on and hear what your body is telling you, what your soul is telling you. Often it speaks to us. We, we just need to listen. You know, we need to give us the time to, to speak. And mm-hmm. so that's one. Another thing is I recommend movement of any kind um, because movement just helps to move energy in general. Now, right before this call, I was a little bit nervous. So I, you know, started to shake my shoulders, you know, to get that, that energy released. And we tend to store stress in our shoulders and in our hips. So moving your hips around is a good way to release tension and stress, taking your shoulders, yoga, obviously, walking. I mean, there are, you name it. As long as you're moving your body, it's an avenue, it's a vehicle to help move energy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can do. Right. So, and, and massage can help, right? And, um, oh, yeah. Acupuncture. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And this is why sometimes when people get massages, all of a sudden they cry, you know, out of nowhere when yes. a certain muscle organ, you know, is touched because that said muscle organ, what have you, is holding some kind of emotion in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's happened in- I- yeah. <laughs> I I um I used to work in a back pain program when I first got out of graduate school. That was my first job, and they sent me to a um, a conference about back pain, and there were several massage therapists there, and they would talk about that when they gave people a massage, that there there were some people that would just break down in tears, and it wasn't because the massage was painful; it was because of that they something was stored in that muscle, some kind of yeah. emotional pain. Absolutely. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And and it was released, which is a positive thing. They didn't they didn't find it to be negative when the um when the person began crying. Um you just have to have somebody there with you who they had to have somebody there with the who knew how to deal with the emotional issues. Not all all massage therapists are equipped for that. Yeah, exactly. So, someone like you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I absolutely love what I do. Um, it's it's very rewarding, very fulfilling because. Uh, when I do my work and I get such positive feedback, you know, it's sometimes people literally just have, I mean, actually a lot of people do a lot of work, you know, um, on the conscious, subconscious level, et cetera. But when I work with them, a lot of times they tell me I didn't realize how deep it went, you know, and they have such an emotional release when it happens that it surprises even them because they've already Mm -hmm. done something. And so for me, it's really rewarding. And then they tell me days later, I've been getting so many epiphanies, so many breakthroughs and shifts from, you know, that session. And oftentimes it's just one session when they start to 
to feel the result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people carry all of this with them and don't even realize it? They kind of get used to it, almost like the the anxiety and the the stress that they feel almost feels like the glue that's holding them together. They don't realize that it's okay to just relax. They don't they don't know that it's that it's even happening. Do you, do you notice that with your clients? Yes, definitely. Yes. I mean, that's what I was yep. alluding to. I'll do a lot of the work, um, but it seems like a lot of time it's mental work. Like they understand why they're stuck in certain patterns or, you know, why they seem attracting the same types of relationships or money issues or lack of career opportunities or what have you. Like they understand it on a mental level. And so because they understand it and they, maybe they've done some work around it, they think that they've, they're done. You know, they've done the work. There's nothing else to do. And that's actually how I, what, how I felt for a long time until I started doing um, my own work around this. And, and then, you know, I discovered, as many of my clients have discovered, is that a lot of times we don't, we haven't given an acknowledgement and validation to the wounds from our childhood, from our past, um, proper acknowledgement in terms of like really seeing yourself at that time and what happened and given the safe space to send yourself compassion around it and validation. And it's just that, that I think it's that combination of compassion and validation that is such a relief for so many people that a lot of times they're extremely emotional in the session, um, you know, and it, it may be painful in the session, but then just a few days later, or even on the same day, it was so cathartic, such a relief, and they just feel so much better and, and many times have so many shifts and breakthroughs about what happened, why it happened, and what, it, what they need to do moving forward to create more positive, transformative change in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if listeners are interested in, in having some coaching from you um, in this, you know, being a client of yours, can they do that even if they're over here in, in the United States? let's say Texas and you're over there in Puerto Vallarta, um, do you do this virtually? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm not in Puerto Vallarta at the moment, but yeah, I, they, I have clients that live in the U.S. and Canada. Um, my sessions are done through Zoom mostly. So, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere, anywhere. Okay. Okay. So how can listeners who are interested find out more about you, read your blog, um, or contact you if they're interested in working with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, they can go to my website, MarcellaElizabeth.com. It's spelled with two L's, MarcellaElizabeth.com. And um, they can go there and they can book a free guide if they want to see if their energy centers are balanced or not. Um, they can also book a free chat to see if working together is a good fit. And they can also uh, follow me on my YouTube channel, which is also Marcella Elizabeth. Okay. All right. I'm writing all of that down because I'm going to be posting that on my website post 
about this program. So if people didn't weren't ready to start writing it down, they can go there later. It'll be there later tonight, along with this the podcast of this show. Um, and how about your any social media that they can follow you on? On my YouTube channel, Marcella Elizabeth. And then uh, on Instagram, Marcella Elizabeth Wellness. And okay. I would say those are the main, yeah, those are the main ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, Marcella Elizabeth Wellness on Instagram. Okay. And that's how through, the, through your website is how they can contact you to set up an appointment if they're interested. Yes, or they can email me at marcella at marcellaelizabeth.com. That's another option. Okay. All right. Okay, so this is very interesting. Again, I learned a little more um, since the last time we spoke. <laughs> and okay. um, really, yeah, very interesting. I noticed um, just as, you know, as an additional aside that, when I have certain kind of stress going on in my life, I can feel certain parts of my body hurt. Like I can feel the pain in a particular part of my body, like my shoulder or my uh, sternum or the or my mid-back. And it's like a signal to me that something is going on that I'm holding on to. Um, yeah, exactly. It's really so, interesting. Yeah, tuning into that, and if you can identify what it is that your body is trying to tell you, uh, try to send yourself compassion and love around it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. That sounds, that sounds like a good start for sure. Yes. All yes. right. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us again, Marcella. Um, and let's stay in touch, okay? I'd love to have you back on in another time in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been an honor being here, Dr. Mara. And I hope you All enjoy right. the rest of your Okay. You have a, have a wonderful night as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye now. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. It looks like we might be starting to get a storm, so if we get disconnected, that's what happened, and we are dancing with joy to get some rain (laughs) because we really need it. So um, last week, I did start talking about my recent visit to my mom and some of the ways that I've had to advocate for her. Um, and 
you know, I've been advocating for her via the telephone when I'm not up there visiting. She's up north in another state. And, um, you know, and I brought up the point last week that it's really important that we have to advocate for our loved ones who are in long-term care, which is where my mom is. And anytime your elderly loved one ends up in a hospital setting, um, because if you don't, and this has been the experience of my mom and our family, is that if you don't push and push hard sometimes, um, the general attitude of the hospital or even the, the one, even some of the best nursing homes is to, um, to assume that the elderly person doesn't want much treatment and would rather just comfortably pass. Now that is hospice and that some people do choose that. Some people are not treatable um, for whatever they have or it's too much pain to treat them and they feel ready to go. But not everybody is in that category. And sometimes there are treatments where the there are things to do to help to support um, the the person that require a little bit more um, treatment than just making the person comfortable, and they are choosing that, and their family is choosing that. And when that's the case, the medical community very often needs to be pushed. And I'm specifically talking about hospitals or the medical practitioners, even in the nursing home, doctors, nurse practitioners. And in terms of just quality of life, keeping the best level of functioning, having their preferences um, honored, even for simple things like um, wanting to go back to their room after a meal rather than staying with everybody in the dining room. Those are preferences. Um, very often, and we've talked about this many times on the program, and I've had guests talk about this, very often the what the staff do in the nursing home is what is most efficient for them. And so the resident is kind of seen as um, there in the service of the facility and the staff rather than the staff personalizing um, the care so that it fits for that person who is different and unique, that we are all unique individuals, and that doesn't change based on our age. It doesn't change um, just because we've gotten to be older and we need care and we're living in a in a nursing facility. So it's really important to, to, to advocate in order to get the, that wish to be treated as a unique person um, fulfilled. We all deserve that. That's, um, that's what gives us quality of life, even, even in our older, um, even in our golden years. That's what gives us quality of life, being treated as an individual whose um, priorities um, 
desires, that they matter, okay? So um, so one of the ways that we've, that we've had, that I decided to advocate for my mom was to create a family council. And I brought this up before, um, how, about how powerful family councils can be and advocating because it's not just your voice alone fighting all these people, but it's a whole group of family members who are standing together, not necessarily fighting. Um, we, you know, we create, I created this, I organized this family council. I'm not going to say I created it because everybody, we have about 18 members and the members have really participating in creating this team. And we really have taken the approach that we don't want to have an adversarial relationship with the people who care for our loved ones. That That's not beneficial. That doesn't get us what we want. It leads to a lot of hostility. It's actually very negative for our loved ones. Um, so we, we have taken the path of even though the facility may have seen us as adversaries because they don't really like having a family council, um, they may have seen that at the beginning, but we always tell them we are working. We want to work with you as a team to create the best quality of life, not just for our loved ones, but for all the residents who live in the facility. So because this helps all of the residents. And Last week, we had our fifth family council meeting, and we had an invited guest. So we can invite guests to our meeting. Um, next month, we actually have one of the administrators and the director of the nursing department attending the meeting. So we decided that we would have the head of the ombudsman program for the state come to the meeting to help us to decide what were the, the important issues that we have, which to prioritize the issues that we have to bring up to that meeting next month and to have a way of doing it so that we are working together as a team. But of course, having her there also, we, she, we got to have a lot of our questions answered about uh, various issues that family members are having uh, regarding their loved ones and is this something that they can do about it. Um, and she was full of information. She brought us up to speed on all, on all the laws. Um, one thing that we learned and we were not even aware of this is that um, if we have an issue that we feel needs to be resolved, if we put it in writing, it needs to be addressed by the administration within a timely fashion. Now, they may come back and say, no, we can't do anything about it, um, but they have to actually have a reasonable rationale for that. Um, if they don't, then the family member can then say, hey, you know, I've asked you about this before. Please address this issue. Um, all of that, when it's in writing, actually is documented. So when the state 
auditors come in, they see it. So everybody knows that you've got to respond because the state auditors are going to see your, that you responded and your response. Even more so, um, an issue that we didn't, we definitely didn't know about is that when we've been writing letters to the administration about various issues that we see with our loved ones are in the facility, and we we always come with the idea that we want to be solution focused. So we come with solutions, possible solutions. Hey, can you try this? We thought of that. What about this? Um, and we point out, I think that we're very helpful to the administration because we actually point out issues that the administration doesn't necessarily know is happening because they're not there on the floor um, when when the care is going on, when things are going on. And, um, for example, um, residents, Every resident has what they call a care card, and it is a digital description of the care plan, the issues that need um, that each individual has that during care, their, their preferences. As I mentioned before, this person likes to be brought back to their room after a meal. This person likes to sit in the living room. Um, this person... Um, does not want a male, this woman does not want a male um, nurse's aide to change her and do those, you know, dress her, those kind of things. And um, and actually by law, um, if, a, if a resident um, who is of sound mind says that they do not want an opposite sex person getting them dressed, then that has to be honored. And so that's all on the care card, and it's usually digital. Um, and so we found that the care card was not being read um, by, by people who came on who didn't know the residents. And we could tell it was not being read because they were doing the opposite of what was on the care card. And when it was mentioned to them, they would say, oh, wow, you should put that on the care card when it already was on the care card. So we brought that up as an issue, and it came, and we said that maybe what they could do is have, you know, we came up with different ideas. It came back that, no, what we're doing works. But it doesn't work. So what... The um, ombudsman told us is that our letter to the administration is actually a written document just like our individual letters um, about our own family member um, is a document. And the, the uh, facility, the administrators actually have to respond to every issue that the family council brings up in writing. And if they feel that what um, we are asking them to do is not something they can do. They need to at least uh, respond with a rationale. So this is really important information, and this is what um, what the ombudsman can do in your 
um, journey as an advocate for your loved one, that you can actually call them, you can ask them these questions. Is this something that is okay that's happening with my family member? Or is this something I need to do something about? What can I do about it? What are the laws? Is the law on my side? And the laws are different in every state. There are some federal laws that are overriding all nursing facilities and long-term care communities. Um, But some laws are really um, individual to the state. So, for example, in the state where my mom is, she's in Connecticut, cameras are allowed in the room. If the family has said that they want it, they've signed off on it, the, the resident says it's okay with them, and that there's a sign on the door that says that there's a camera on. Um, That's not true in every state. That law has not been passed. I know there is a push to get that law passed um, federally so that all nursing homes allow a camera in the room. Um, There are issues if, if a resident has a roommate, but I've spoken with Um, ombudsmen in different states where residents have roommates and I mean residents have roommates in Connecticut too it's just in her facility they don't Um, but the way that they got around that is by making the law include that the roommate also has to sign off that they agree and you can't just put a camera in the room if the roommate says no so There are ways around that. It can't just be blanket statement, no, we don't allow it because of the privacy of the roommate. The roommate can agree to have a camera as well. So these are all really important issues. And uh, as you can see, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. And, you know, I was listening to this um, TED Talk last week um, by a senior advocate specialist, and and I will repeat what she said. I said it last week on the program, that having an elderly loved one is a lifestyle change, that if you want to be there for your loved one, it does take time to advocate for them. It, it is part of the, the picture that you're not just doing your ordinary life, and that's just a little thing on the side, if you really are interested in helping your loved one um, to have the best quality of life, you do have to make more time for it. You do have to slow down, as she said, slow down from your life because older people are slower. So use it as a time to actually slow down and appreciate that and see it as a blessing that you have this opportunity to help your loved one to live a higher quality of life. It's an honor that you have this, that that you have this in front of you. So that's really important. And that's part of living with passion when you're, when you have this unexpected event that you now have to take care of your older parent, although it should never be unexpected because 
at some point we're all getting older if we live that long. So it really isn't unexpected, but we never know when it's going to happen that we have to be there as the advocate. Suddenly now our life is a little bit different. But it is an honor. It is a blessing. And the way to keep passion in it in your life is to embrace it and see this as, you know, passion, living a passionate life isn't just about doing fun things. It's also about doing things that give your life meaning and purpose. And this is very meaningful and very purposeful to to bring joy and a higher quality of life to someone else's life. So this can be part of the passionate journey um, and also can be an opportunity to have joyful moments while doing that. Um, enjoy the time with your loved one and seeing enjoy when you have success in advocating for them and seeing that, seeing that it actually works out, that you get what you've asked for. Um, and I know I've mentioned this before, but another important part of this is being assertive, but being assertive means not, it, not, it means being firm and persistent, but it doesn't mean being nasty and rude because the quickest way to turn everyone off is to be demanding, nasty, and rude. Um, you want to be persistent. You want to let them know you're not going anywhere. You're going to keep pushing it, but you can be polite and you can be respectful when you do it. And that's the meaning of assertiveness in general. So I'm going to end there. Um, and I'll continue this topic because it's really important um, in the future. And um, I'll be writing some more blogs about it as well. So for now, let's let you know what's coming up. Um, next week um, is Labor Day. So we're going to be off that weekend. Um, but we'll be playing one of our favorite recent shows as an encore. And then we'll be back live with another really great program on September 10th. So stay tuned. Look at Facebook to see about the upcoming events, and you'll see who's coming up. We have uh, several people lined up um, already into September, late September. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this program and listen to all the previous programs, um, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. Also, be sure to listen on, you can also listen on blogtalkradio.com, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And you can hear this program in five minutes from now at blogtalkradio.com, slash your golden years, and on Apple Podcasts. And as I said, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years for upcoming shows and events. This program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Thank you to my guest, Marcella Castellanos, and thank you, Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring couple of weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. 
ticket Flying so high now Shows a man where to fish Watch me send it He lies in his hammock Teaches tourists how to live And he knows how to live Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any information on this program. 